Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Books to Gaze. This week, we had the pleasure to interview our friend Quinn, who was previously on Bookstagram at QS Reads, but has rebranded and officially changed her handle to The Romantic Ace. We are so honored to have her on the podcast. Quinn is amazing, smart, and the best hype person. Yeah, She taught us so much about asexuality and aromantic spectrums and about being a librarian, especially diversity in libraries. She also gave us some great book recommendations for Ace Rep. We yell, we rant, we rave, we learn. So let's get into the episode and our talk with our wonderful friend, Quinn. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Books to Gaze. My name is Alex, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Sam, and my pronouns are she, her. And today we have a special guest with us, Quinn. Um, okay, tell our lovely listeners your name, your Insta handle, pronouns, and if you're comfortable, where you are in the LGBTQ plus family. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name's Quinn. My pronouns are she, her. You might know me from at QS Reads, but I am changing my Insta handle to at the Romantic Ace, which is which is really exciting because it's my personal um project to let everyone know that just because I'm asexual does not mean I don't like romance. I love that. Yes. Because that's literally every conversation I have. <laughs> um, that might clue you in that I, I identify as a biromantic asexual, mm-hmm. which basically means I don't care about the fun, touchy, feely bits, <laughs> but I do enjoy aesthetically fawning over people yes. of any gender. You know, I who doesn't? It. That is such a great point. I also love to just fawn over people. Yes. Amen. Amen. Okay. I love that username, by the way. I think that it's really like, it's, clever. It took a little bit, but I was like, like, I've had cues read since I started Bookstagram, and it, like, works, but it doesn't, for me, it doesn't, like, get across what I, my brand. Your brand, yeah. Okay. Which, and- which is yelling about <laughs> And I'm yelling that I still like romance books and novels and talking about it. Um, what makes me laugh is you say it's cues reads. and We're reading it how- as QS, right? I always read the SQS. I'm like, all right, QS reads. Which, which, (laughs) which totally, that was the whole point of it because my last name starts with S, so it could be QS. I saw that. Or Q. Validation. It's definitely QS. And then when you said Qs, I'm like, damn. I always, but I do that. We have so many. I do it both ways. Yeah. We have a lot of friends who have an S on their username for their Insta handle. And I never read it as like Sam's. I just read it as Sam S or something like that. Whatever the name may be. Oh, that's smart. But I'm thinking, like, Maddie's Reads. I think it's Maddie's Reads, but I read it as Maddie S. Reads. <laughs> I read it as Maddie S. Reads, too. But uh, I'm, I'm suspecting we're wrong, so. You know what? It's fine. It's we're, fine. We're going to figure it out. I'll just let everyone, we're just going to let everyone tell us their Insta handles so we can't mess it up. That's right. Also, <laughs> we love you, Maddie. <laughs> we do. Sorry if we say your Insta handle wrong. We're going to fix it. <laughs> I mean, let's just, like, normalize being wrong and learning. You're right. I can't ever say anything right. I had this discussion. Who did I have this discussion with? I think I had this discussion with one of my friends on Bookstagram, Sam, and we were talking about how, oh, I shared that screenshot where I always thought it was deeply seated, not seated, 
and it was like throwing me a curveball in my brain. But I also remember, so I've obviously always been a reader and we all read words and I don't mm-hmm. necessarily use every word out loud. So one time I was talking to this guy in college and I used the word vehemently, but I had always read it as vehemently. Like that's just how it <laughs> sounded. So I said it out loud like that. And he like made fun of me. and was like, Oh, you think you're so smart. You said, and I'm like, okay, listen, <laughs> I read a lot. So I'm sorry that I don't use every word I've ever read out loud, but that doesn't mean like I'm not intelligent. I'll now say vehemently you've, You've traumatized me into never saying that word wrong again. Thank you. Oh, my God. I have a story. Are you ready? Yes, please. Are you ready? Okay. So I was a freshman in college. And just like you guys, I read so much in high school and middle school. Like, I love to read. And obviously, we're on Bookstagram. It's fine. (laughs) Um, And I was in my freshman lit class. And I'm sitting there. And the professor wrote a quote on the board and he was like, who knows where this quote is from? And immediately I raised my hand. I'm the only one with my hand raised. <laughs> and, and he's like, okay. And he's like, so where is this quote from? And I was like, so great. <laughs> and the whole, class, so great. the whole class like stops <laughs> and they like, look at me and I'm like, yeah, that's so great. And they were like, who what and then he just starts like dying laughing and he's like you mean Socrates there would be no indication that that's how it's pronounced based on how it's written down so right right and I was just I was like (laughs) I still like cannot oh my gosh I'm so embarrassed by that story but it makes me laugh every time because I was so confident confident. that's so great watch me bitches watch me (laughs) so great yeah you're like I'm gonna impress this is the first day all of you are gonna be so impressed by me hey that's so great (laughs) and then I went downhill it's fine it's fine I love that well that was like that was like me and Hermione from Harry Potter I could not wrap my head around how it was pronounced there was yeah truly truly I did not know until the first movie same you are not alone I was like I was like Hermione, like what? I think I said Herm Hermione, like something wild. Yes, I did that. I too. said Hermione. Yes, Hermione. Half of that book, even to this day, I always said Dobby as Doby. I don't know. That's just how I read it. So it's hard for me to like reconcile that with how his his name was pronounced in the movies. But it it wasn't until those movies came out that I could pronounce half of everything that was in in those books. It was ridiculous it's a tough one but you know what we're we're reading so I think that gives us bonus points we're not mispronouncing things I know what those words mean I just haven't used them in everyday conversation all the time sorry that part I'm so sorry that's that's a pro to audiobooks you're right Ooh, that is there's a good recommendation listen to audiobooks so that you don't mess up in conversation and people can't make fun of you (laughs) oh same yes (laughs) okay Quinn um we like to start all of our guests, um, since we've only had one, I'm just saying this, like all of our guests. But <laughs> all of our guests. <laughs> we like to ask our guests, what is giving you life this week? Oh, my God. <laughs> I want to say nothing because. Oh. No, it's just like, it's like this whole pandemic. Yes. It's like every day. It's something new. Okay, yes. Yes, that tracks. And it's, like, when you get that, like, little nugget of hope that things are getting better, 
boom something john lewis dies you're so right oh man it's like everything in the theater seems to be stacking up on top of each other and i don't know that we can handle much more we still have six more months five more months listen it's it's too much it is it's so i mean i'm trying to think (laughs) you know what you know what's giving me life this week well it's sort of last week is Dollar Tree. Ooh. Do you guys have yes. Dollar Tree? I get all of my bookstagram props from there because it's only a dollar. And I found some pretty cool shit. And I spent like $5. Um, like, I love the Dollar Tree so much. It's Dollar Tree is unappreciated. It truly is. It's not like Dollar General where everything is generally a dollar. It's all a dollar. And I'm cheap as hell. Yeah, I don't Amen. like the, the fake Dollar Trees where it's like Family Dollar or Dollar General. And then you go in and things are like $3. I'm like, listen, false advertising. If dollar is in, I mean, I guess it's still a dollar. There are dollars in the amount, but it needs to be a dollar. It's a lie. Yeah. It's a lie. Truth and advertising. Dollar okay, Tree well, is the best. Listen. All right. Y'all talk in, but listen. <laughs> that family dollar and dollar general is all I got. So that really? Yeah. Like where I live is a string of small towns and all they have are dollar general and family dollars. Damn. And I still oh, for sure. I still don't understand why they're next door to each other. <laughs> like, do you ever notice that? Like that, that it's is like true. Walgreens and CVS. Like I don't understand. We're competing for your dollar. Um, yeah, but also well, don't be sleeping on that family dollar clothes. They're super cute. They have clothes. Oh, girl. They have clothes? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. To be fair, the only thing I went to like, I think it was family dollar, but it could have been dollar general back in the day. Remember when we were, we were young, like kids and they had <laughs> Dunkaroos. <gasps> yeah. Yes. The best snack ever. So then they did away with them, whatever. But for a while there in high school, you could find them at one of the dollar places. And it wasn't Dollar Tree. So it was one of the other two. And I would only go to that store to buy like 10 boxes of Dunkaroos and then just be disgusting and eat them all. At the same day. time? Because I feel like <laughs> they're back. Did you know they're back now? Are, aren't they different? I haven't tried them. But I saw on a friend of mine's Instagram stories and I was like, Oh god. That it was the a, best a snack. Feeling. I could Quinn, eat that icing just straight on my hands. Your job this week is to try Dunkaree. Go get him and yeah, try them find and them? report back. I don't know. See, and my grocery store is closing because oh. the world is conspiring against me. Oh my god, it's just closing? <laughs> what do you do? Well, they're like I'm up by Chicago, so the options are plentiful. Uh, but I like my store yeah. because it's five, it's five minutes away, and it's, it's yours. On my way home from work, it's small. Mm. Like I'm from, so I I commiserate with Sam a lot because I'm from small town Central Illinois. Oh, so I'm like you, yeah. So I'm, so I'm like I. You know, if I'm around, if I'm home for a while, I come back and they're like, you have an accent mm-hmm. <laughs> because I, I like start, I mean, I say y'all an obsessive amount. It's really sad, but um, <laughs> you're in good company here, <laughs> but like, 
in my in my first library job, I worked in a rural library, and there was a Dollar General, and that was it. Oh my goodness! <laughs> mm-hmm. I my, feel that so hard. My old roommate, just like my roommate last year, she's from Hillsboro, Illinois. <gasps> Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yes, she yes. had such, like, a, a little country accent, too. Sometimes I'm, like, she'd say boots in, like, this really twangy way. And I'm, like, Brittany, where, like, aren't you from up north? What's going on here? But she she explained to me her her very small town. Would you, would you like to know what their school mascot is? Yes. <laughs> it's a hilltopper. What oh, I did know that. Hilltopper? Isn't it, like, a sheep? I don't know. I think she told me that, and I was, like, that's not real. But I think when I, I Googled mean, it. It's, well, it's coming up as a bicycle true. company, so I don't know. I really like that you Googled it. You were like, you know what? That's not true. It sounded I'm fake. I'm going to check who your mascot was. Like, I appreciate There's, that. <laughs> there was a neighboring town that um, their mascot were the pretzels. What? Like, literally, <laughs> the pretzels. Like, people think Illinois is just Chicago, and let me tell you. <laughs> It's not like once you get past it's weird. a certain point. Once you get past a certain point, it's basically Tennessee. Yeah, in Kentucky. So I googled oh, what Kentucky. is a hilltopper, and the first article is "What the hell is a hilltopper?" Um, it seems like it's a big red furry. That's it. That's just it. Just big red furry thing. Well, and my parents are from even southern Southern Illinois. And their high school mascot was a maroon. Okay. First of what all, is it? there are like so the many color? animals we can't pick. It's a maroon. So um, depending on where you are, that can be a racist statement. Maroon? <laughs> yes. Oh. 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 <laughs> but it's just like this big fuzzy thing that's maroon color. Mm. I don't know. This, I, this is weird. I mean, you could, do, <laughs> you could do bears, you could do tigers, you could do a lot like a dog and there are like a million dog breeds let's just throw one you know what there. my school will be a labrador okay mine we are definitely going to be the basset hounds yes it will <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be terrible at sports it's fine it's fine <laughs> but you know what you'll be really cute you'll have some floppy ears and everyone will want to cuddle you hell yeah and the enth- the enthusiasm will be yes there. it will Oh, bless her. Okay, Quinn. So there are a lot of not accurate and possible hurtful definitions for asexuality in its spectrum. Can you give us a brief understanding of asexuality and what it means to you? Sure. Yes. So um, I, to preface it, like there are, like I read a romance book last year by an indie romance author. I'm not going to name her. (laughs) She knows. She knows who she is. She knows what she did. I email. I emailed her, and she did not email me. Back. Oh, so shame. Um, where she referred to an asexual person as a cactus. Oh, what? So like, yes. Oh. So that were, which is sadly that's like not uncommon. Right. So, um, a lot of people can. First of all, a lot of people, which is why I'm changing my user name or handle or whatever. Um think that asexuality and aromanticism are the same thing and they're not right. so asexuality means that i am not sexually attracted to people and there's different areas of a spectrum within that there's gray sexual which means you experience attraction every now and again mm-hmm. um it, it 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 depends there's demisexual which is 
you only are sexually attracted when you have a close relationship with somebody. Mm -hmm. And I identify as just straight asexual. Not straight, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not that word. (laughs) Um... And so, and within asexuality itself, there's also varying levels of sex comfortability. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I identify as sex averse or sex repulsed, okay. which means that I am not interested at all. But there's um, sex neutral, which um, are people who aren't interested, but they're willing to kind of engage in some acts. And then there are sex favorables. Mm-hmm. Um, who aren't interested, but they're interested in pleasing their partners oh. and are, are open and open to that possibility. For me, um, I don't like any of it. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, there, that's the whole thing. The ace arrow spectrum, it, it, it's, it's that. It's a spectrum. There's lots of people who fall in different parts, and it can change, no, you know, no matter, mm-hmm. you know, what. Um, right. So I'm I'm completely open to the possibility that maybe I'm sex neutral, but I mean, history says that's not the case. Right. But it's very fluid. Um, so I guess to say to people like ace people like people try and say that asexual or aromantic people do not have feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a lie. I have all the feelings. Yeah. yeah. Too many feelings. <laughs> no shame. They're overwhelming. No shame. <laughs> and ju- and it's like, at, because I'm a romance reader, I'm also at that cusp of, well, everyone's all about steam. And I'm like, I couldn't give a shit. Right. right. Like, that doesn't make romance for me. And so sometimes I find myself getting shamed by that by saying, hey, this is not for me. Because that's such a integral part of that community yes and so it's like um basically being asexual is not like I think it's fun because I'm being my true authentic self but it's it's this thing where you're not really part of the heteronormative community Mm -hmm. Mm because you you don't engage in what's considered normal normal, which there is no normal right let's just stupid word Uh let's just debunk that myth yeah and then you're also, we have a lot of situations where ace aerospec people are not included in the LGBTQIA plus community. Right. They are told, like it comes, I hate to say it this way, but it, it, it goes into this thing that I call like a trauma war. Who has experienced more trauma? Ooh. And that's what makes you part of it. And it's like, well, I don't go out, out saying like, hey, I was attempt, like my partner tried to attempt corrective rape on me Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna go wave that as a banner as like that's my entry to this community because it's not i'm not here like yeah that's not i'm not asexual because that happened and so many people especially in like i would almost say sometimes that the lgbtqiap plus that's a mouthful but i'm gonna (laughs) still say it because i i don't like to be exclusionary yeah Uh, um they tend to be the most um, aphobic. Who perpetuate um, that. Yes. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, a lot of the, L- the community, we're going to go with that for now. <laughs> um, I'm running out you of You can breath, just say but... queer community. That's what I say. It tends to that, that works be encompassing. We'll yeah. Um, 
they define their role in the community by their sexuality and it's like well I don't have a sexuality yeah and I think it's so interesting that like we're talking about this because whenever you were saying that you know asexuality can be fluid I think that as just that the queer community in general can be fluid and like I feel like I like even though I identify as a lesbian I don't know that I, like, I feel like that could, not that it could change, but it is fluid. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. and so it's so, it, it really hurts my heart to hear you say that, like, the LGBTQ um, community is not welcoming yeah. and not accepting because, I mean, that is what we're about is that, like, You'd think, right? Right. <laughs> I think, I mean, you see it in every facet yeah. of the LGBTQIA plus community. You see, like, gold star lesbians. Yeah, the biphobic you, terms. Yeah. You see biphobia. You see, transphobia. you know, transphobia. You see it. I mean, you're going to see that. Or the t- I think that's inherent in every community within the human mm-hmm. existence. Yeah. There's going to be these standards that oh, I'm better than you because I've never had sex with a man. Mm-hmm. Or like, and it's just, it's so limiting. Right. And then, it, and, and then those, those particular facets make it hard for people to understand and accept that their sexuality or who they're romantically interested in is fluid. You are, just because one day you, you know, identify as a lesbian doesn't you mean that. You can't change you can't change. You can't be pansexual. You mm-hmm. can't, you know, right. and I think that, I mean, media has a big part in it. Yeah. But, um, I think those portions not only exclude people, but also keep people limited to what they think they should be. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think, and so that's why I yell about it a lot because it's <laughs> like, you know, nobody knows looking at me that hey like I'm not sexually attracted to people right and I didn't I didn't have that growing mm-hmm. up I didn't have I didn't know asexuality was a thing until like three or four years ago right. so I grew up thinking that I was a prude that I was frigid I have been called frigid <sighs> right which is um harmful which is yes well so that's, harmful. but that's but that's the thing is like that happens to asexuals mm-hmm. everywhere and that also i do want i'm not a romantic but touching on a romantic people it's like they're also treated as if they're not human because it's seen it it's normalized that you have to have these romantic relationships with people right in order to be considered normal or human and it's like no maybe you just really just want really close friends and that's your life right. i think it's tough to battle in our society because so much just historically and all the time it's perpetuated that in order to be, have a happy, successful life, you need to fall in love. You need to get married. You need to have this like romantic sexual passion with your partner. And then when you have people that that's not, that's not something that they desire or look for or their relationships are going to be different or they just want friendships and they want to do mm-hmm. this and this, then it's like, okay, well then what's wrong with you? But nothing's exactly wrong with them just because they're not 
living up to what we've deemed is, like you said, the norm for society. And then historically, too, I think in the queer community is I find a lot of older generations of queer people have a hard time with all of our new labels. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. Yes. And it's, oh, it's yeah. frustrating because to me, I'm like, labels are so, just like gay and lesbian were so important for the older generations. Like the fact that we can get more nuanced and specific is so important because I mean, I meet so many kids in therapy that they're like, I didn't even know that the way I felt had a word and that now means so much to me because there's this whole community of people. I know I'm not alone. They, Mm -hmm. you know, lesbian didn't work. Gay didn't work. This bi didn't work, but now I found like demi-romantic and demi-sexual and oh my god that's what it is like that's what I'm feeling and how can that be a bad thing and I mean that is why books like Felix Ever After is really important because you see that because I I read primarily YA I buy YA for my library and you don't often see that that point when people are transitioning or are exploring their identity you just see the end Mm -hmm. yeah so Mm -hmm. in in books like felix ever after felix has transitioned but the transition still doesn't feel exactly right and he goes on this journey of also what does it you know am i this am i that right and it's it's things like that that make it so important which i think is Um, is a quintessential queer experience like some people really do like hit the nail on the head with the right word from the start, but so much of like, I appreciated books when I was learning about my own identity where the person was also discovering their own, because I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't fit here, but I also don't know about this and I'm questioning this and maybe I'm questioning this. And you're right. You don't have those books that allow you to see those normalized thought patterns, but it's okay to question and it's okay to change your mind. And you just see like, okay, I know I'm a lesbian, I know I'm gay, I know I'm bi, and I'm coming out, or I'm mm-hmm. already out, and I'm dating people, and I'm like, okay, but what if you still don't know? <laughs> well, and it normalizes the fact that it's fluid, that things change, mm-hmm. you know, with time, which is not something I see a lot, especially, I love YA, I'll Same. be on YA's forever. forever, because I find that when you're seeing new trends, either in diverse representation or even experimentation with genre or things like that, that's going to come up in YA first. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like when people have been going on about, oh, there's so much LGBTQ fiction now. I'm like, go to YA. It's like half gay. Yeah. And it's half good gay. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's getting better and better as. I do. I just wish that as an adult, we could still see, like, I would love, like, reading, I just read something to talk about, and I can't stop talking about it, Um, but I felt so seen by it, because it was adult, and it was, um, it related more to me. Does that make sense? And do not get me wrong, I love good YA, I love to read YA, but I think that we need that push that it also oh, needs sure. to be in the mainstream adult world too. Especially because for I mean, the people who are late coming out too. Um, hello. <laughs> hello. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just, 
I think about that book so much and I'm so grateful for um, Meryl Wilsner and what they did because I read so much YA and it's wonderful and it has the best um, like representation, but I would like to see that representation followed through. Does that make sense? Oh, a hundred percent. Like I was making a list before this of books that I think have like good ace rep. And I mean, I haven't read every book. There's no possible way. Um, and I have quite a few checked out right now of ones people have recommended. I have one adult book on there. One. Yeah. Listen, one. ain't no shame. Ain't no shame. And it just pisses me off more than anything because if I could have had a book that even talked about it, mm-hmm. there would have been many years where, like, my self-shame yeah. would not have existed. And it's just, it's it's frustrating, especially because I found a lot of ace rep is written by non-ace authors, mm-hmm. which uh. most of, sometimes they get it right and they, and they understand, but then sometimes it's used as a plot device to be like, this is why this person won't have sex. And it's like, no okay, but you're reducing my identity into a stereotype. That right. So, And does every ace book have to be about why I don't want to have sex? Like, can't it just be about me living my life? Well, and and the book that I, um, the book, the adult book was Every Heart a Doorway by Mm -hmm. Seanan McGuire, where, you know, it does come up. She says, hey, like, this is not something I'm into. And then they're like, okay. And they continue. Oh, that's amazing. So it's, it's like we do need those books where it is about that because there haven't been a lot of exploratory looks Mm -hmm. into this identity but we also need I mean every every queer identity needs that where it's there but it's not there I mean it's similar to black books or Hispanic Mm -hmm. books where they become issue books right and it's like no we also need books where this is part of their life but it doesn't define yes oh yes that's like such a key thing I think being talked about right now even on bookstagram and in the world that there are many important books about coming out the process about being black in America and what that can mean and about being you know Latinx and what that can mean but also like let's read about all of those different communities living their lives, being teenagers, going to school, forming relationships, forming friendships, like living, being happy, succeeding, and not just like, oh, okay, here's this book about this young black teenager and a cop who stops him, which again, Mm -hmm. still important, but so is You Should See Me in a Crown about a young queer black girl wanting to, you know, go to college and running for prom queen and Mm -hmm. being in high school, you know, like just a cute story that we all also need to show us that right. these peeps, all of all of our communities and these people are people first and we don't just have to read about their trauma to learn about them and empathize with them well and I think that's why I began gravitating towards romance because when you read romance there's assuredly a happy ending like there is some joy there somewhere mm-hmm and I, I find a lot with YA in particular, it's a lot of drama heavy, which te- being a teen is difficult. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and like, I can't deal with people who are like, 
I don't understand why teens are upset. I'm like, they <laughs> have no control over the fact that the world is burning. Right. So. It's a tough time. And that- but it's like, in romance, you can find that happy where you may not be able to find it in real life mm-hmm. because the world is burning. Right. And I feel like that's such a good point. Like, that's a point we don't talk about is that they have no control over the world burning. And they're smart. Like, teens are smart enough that they know it, you know? They know that something's wrong, and it's just so much harder for them to fix it because they can't. Well, and then people are also trepidatious to have those conversations with them because they're like, oh, they're too young. And I'm like, I can guarantee you they've understood, especially people in marginalized communities, they've understood that something is inherently different and wrong. Mm -hmm. But by not talking about it, then they're even more confused and more frustrated because they don't understand or they don't have an outlet with which to understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Right. And, th- and then we get situations where, you know, uh, uh, I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> it, was go- it was going somewhere. That happens been to me there. all the time. I'll We've like start there. circling and circling and I'm like, keep talking and it'll come back to you. But then I just babble. So totally makes sense I do think like teenagers get a bad rap because they're not autonomous they can't make their they can make choices but they really can't make their own choices because they're not an adult their you know brains are still forming and you have all those like hormones and you're highly emotional and you haven't learned some of those older I I hate to be the old person that is like okay things Mm -hmm. do like but you do start to figure it out you know and and things aren't as they don't seem as world ending as when you're 15 and you know, your friends aren't talking to you and the people you like don't like you back or you don't even know who you are yet. And, you know, well, and it's, I mean, teens are constantly shit on by media, by their parents, by, I wouldn't say teachers, but I mean, teachers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're smart. And it's because, you know, I don't, I, I don't think it's actually because of this, but it's like when they're kids, they're cute, they're moldable. <laughs> yeah. When they're teens, they're starting to form their own identities and their own thoughts and opinions. Learning how to use their voices, yeah. But they don't have a way in which, I mean, they have ways to do it. We saw it in Nashville when, you know, three teenage or two or three teenage girls put together an entire Black Lives Matter march. And in my hometown of Springfield, three teenage girls put together a march to the state capitol after what happened with George Floyd. Mm-hmm. And so we see that they have they are they have the ability to be change agents. Yeah. It's that people don't give them that power in mainstream society because they, you know, they're not cute and small enough to be moldable but they're also not old enough to go about it through voting right and mm-hmm. things like that they're not adults and so they're so. so then they're just instantly discounted mm-hmm. and it's so frustrating because it's like these people are the future right and right by you by you not investing in them and giving them the the, the place with which to have have these conversations you're basically effing yourself right yeah Yeah. giving them like a resource like resources and platforms i mean i even even the um recently like the tiktok 
the gen, what are they? Are they Gen Z? I forget yes. the generations. Yes. The TikToker Gen Z teens who like all bought and the K-pop fans who bought all the tickets to the Trump rally and there was no one there because they had the tickets. Like, I think they think so creatively about how to, you know, work on fixing or dismantling systems mm-hmm. and, and getting their voices heard. And, you know, I lost, I just lost my train of thought too. Oh, I think I was thinking, I was talking to Sam a while ago about how it's so, I think as the millennial generation, we're so used to getting shit on too, that I respect teenagers so much and Gen Z so much that it's so interesting to me to watch them become like way more political than our generation, way more queer and diverse than our generation. And just like be open and proud and like seeking out changes and doing what they need to do and not caring that people underestimate them. And I can't wait to see future generations just get more and more. I don't, I don't know the word I'm looking for just become more and more vocal and like trying to work through the system and what they can do Mm -hmm. to help make things better, knowing that they're teenagers or younger and can't go out and vote and do the same things that we as adults can. Well, Well, I mean, I hope it swings that way. Me too. And not the other (laughs) way. It seems like it may, but I guess you never know. And I also think that we do a, like, because of, we as millennials have been shit on like that, Mm -hmm. that we create that buffer. And I mean, like, I hate to take it to TikTok, Mm -hmm. but look at how TikTok has kind of like the millennials have come in and they're like, oh yeah, like, yes, like, let's get on this. And instead, like, I mean, I feel like the generation before us kind of tried to stifle us, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like millennials are like, yes, get it, Gen Z, let's do it, let's well, do I it. Mean, I mean, the generation before us was also stifled because they grew up in Reagan era America. Yeah, for real. <laughs> they didn't have a lot, so of, I, a lot of hope. No, <laughs> and and it didn't really progress too well. Yeah, that's why I I feel hopeful that as millen- I mean, I think millennials are now. 20 what six to 30 something 25 mm-hmm. I don't know yeah but as we are now like having kids and getting older and then Gen Z will start growing up and having kids and getting older my mm-hmm. hope is that the world to them is more representative and diverse and they can discover themselves earlier and see how yes. that can end. you know like, I always think if I knew more about my identity at a younger age or I had more representation like what would my life be like now clearly very Mm -hmm. different but also like what could I have done with all that knowledge and self-discovery and the ability to be open and accepted from a young age could have really changed a lot and put me on Mm -hmm. a different maybe better path who knows like right okay so Quinn to take it back what are some good books to delve into for good representation of asexuality um, well, I did scream about this one <laughs> on Instagram recently, but Ace by Angela Chen is coming out in September oh. and it's the first real, like, and I haven't done a lot of delving into nonfiction because I was a history major in college. I'm pretty over nonfiction <laughs> at this point. I get it. I get it. Um, but the Rogue Recommender, and of course I've already forgotten their name. JG. Their actual name. JG. Yes. So I posted about books in my story about 
Ace Books, um, and they sent me an, a message that were, and they were like, "Oh, this book's coming out," and I hopped on Adelice, which is basically like NetGalley but for booksellers and stuff, mm. and it was there for download, and it's really, really incredible because it breaks down not only what asexuality. And, and, and in a sense, what aromanticism is, but also the stigmas within the A community and outside of. Ooh, yeah. And it's an actual ace author. I was just going to ask that. Is the author, does the author identify as asexual? Yes. That's awesome. The author, like myself, is a bioromantic ace. Ooh. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and she's been really great. Um, I mean, I've been yelling about her books. So <laughs> she's been really nice about, you know, being like, thank you for this, talking with me about the book and stuff. So I would really recommend that if you're just dipping your toes in or if you're wanting to be a better ally. Yeah. Like, I'm already planning on sending it to my dad. Ooh, <laughs> that's a good idea. Yeah. Well, because I thought my dad understood, but then I was home recently and we were talking about it and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm thinking about dating. And he's like, oh, I thought as an ace, like, you don't date. And I'm like, no, yeah, I'm just not interested yeah. in sex. And then he literally said, then what's the just, point? <laughs> because dating is not just about sex. Exactly. So um, it's a really good intro text by an actual ace author and remind me uh, so it's called ace yes it's there's a longer like a longer sub caption right. title thing but yeah it's called ace. do you know the author's name off the top of your head i want to write it down so i can yes. put it in the notes yes angela chen angela chen okay c-h-e-n oh i spelled it right um I mean, I always, so I just realized recently that there might be some problematic representation with this. I didn't see it, but that I do want to preface it with that because mm -hmm. other people have said that. But the first book I read that had ace representation was Let's Talk About Love by Claire Kahn. Same. Um, and I love Claire Kahn. I will stand her until I die. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and that for me was just, it was so, I, at that point when I picked it up, I had an inkling that this was something that was part of my identity, but I wasn't sure. So it was really beautiful to see that. Oh, oh which dog is that? Chris? Dog is that? I knew it was Chris. <laughs> Got that deep voice. <laughs> um, and then Gender Queer by Maya Kobabe. Oh, I've think heard I, such good things about that it book. Is incredible oh. um so it's a graphic novel memoir about Maya <laughs> and I'm going to mess up their pronouns because they they use a variation of they them it's a m um oh. and I it, it's hard to say them so I I just want to preface it with that um but it's it's really beautiful about air um gender identity how they learned about it um and explored it but also their asexuality oh that's awesome um it came out last year i scream about it a lot <laughs> um and um a couple there were there have been more and more ace representation particularly in ya books but they're not by i mean they are by ace it, some of them are by ace aerospec um, authors like Bell Revolt by Lindsay Miller, um, Tarnisher of the Stars by Rosie Thor, 
Sound of Stars by Alicia Dow. And I'm finding, which is really unfortunate, <laughs> um, I'm not a fantasy reader, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. And most of this representation is in fantasy. Yeah. Um, which is upsetting. Because I want, I, I love realistic fiction. Um, so that's one area I'd love to see more in. There is more coming out. Yeah. Um, but also, like, Sock Hill Girls had really good ace rep, but I don't think Claire Legrand is ace. Yeah, I did like that book a lot. I thought it went, it went, it, it spoke to me on the, um, on the level of someone who was in a relationship mm-hmm. and not understanding how to have a relationship and also bring in that part of your identity. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, my list is ever growing. Alice Osman has a lot of ACE mm-hmm. Aero spec books because I believe she is on the ACE Aero spectrum. Oh, I did not know that about her, but I love her books. Um, so I have Radio Silence, Love, Loveless, which just came out and doesn't have U.S. rights yet because someone out there is out to get me. Oh, really? Yeah, no, it doesn't yet. At least that's what Alice tweeted a couple weeks oh, ago. Oh, I saw it was out. I had no idea it wasn't out here. Um, and I have Radio Silence. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically I'm trying to read Ace, every Ace Aerospec book I can find where it's an Ace Aerospec ma- main character because when we do see rep, a lot of it is like secondary yes. mm-hmm. one dimension characters, which is fine. That means we're there, but it's like, we're there as, you know, kind of like a cutout figure. But listen, right. I will say this, like... Once again, when you find yourself in a book and you see that accurate representation, it's like you don't want to go back. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's so funny. My aunt came over and she was looking at my books and she was like, Oh, which one do you think I would like? And now almost all of my books are in the queer, like, some t- exactly. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, oh. <laughs> it's like, um, it's like that uh, meme. It's like sounds gay. I'm yes, in. like that's that, me that. with books all the time. Absolutely. Now, like my selling point to my friends is it's hella gay. And then I, yeah, I won't even think twice. I'll immediately go buy it. I don't care if I have money. I have a credit card for that. Like, in it'll be in my at my house as soon as possible, and I'm gonna read it immediately. Uh, I mean, you could use your local public. I do. I live like right around the corner, so I do get a lot of like. I have like five sitting on my table that I need to return today. But I did a lot of um, oh, Tilly Walden's graphic novels. I just, uh, yeah, I got all those for my library. So I was spinning and I finished uh, On a Sunbeam. And then I just read um, Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me. So I have to return all those so I can get some more eventually. But I will say like queer graphic novels are hard to beat. Oh, yeah. There's so many good ones. They're okay. so great. <laughs> Sam has a confession. <laughs> I was gonna tell that as my confession. I know. I just, I just <laughs> outed you to everyone. You know what? We do not like outers. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the, okay. One of the library laws that everyone learns in library school is every book their reader. Just like there's every book your reader, just means that not every book is for you. That's true. But maybe try a graphic novel. I think you'll like it. I mean, it, <laughs> I. I Full confession, I wasn't a graphic novel reader until I started this job. So I've been in my job for two and a half years. And 
I took over graphic novel collecting and then I just, I started to look at books and it, it really just took the right one Mm -hmm. to kind of clue you in. Yeah. Yeah. I would suggest on a sunbeam, Sam. Oh, Got it's it. so good. Okay. And it's so, on a, yeah. Oh, it's a, when, it's my, a when my book buying ban comes up, I will get it. <laughs> That's, yeah. Maybe don't <laughs> do that. So, Quinn, do you have any recommendations in an effort to diversify our bookstagram feeds and follow people who, you know, have different experiences than you? Do you have any recommendations for other bookstagrammers who identify on the ace or arrow spectrum that we can look up and follow and people can sure. go to for more information. Um, I'm going to mess this up real good because <laughs> we have, we have an ACE, uh, an ACE message group. Oh, that's awesome. And I, uh, I forget usernames. You know, you I can mean, pull up, you can close this app. Like if you just swipe on your phone. I Well, I have it. Can you still hear yes. me? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I have it open in Safari. It didn't open in the app. So I didn't want to mess anything up. Okay, perfect. Um, well, Shelf Made Woman, yes. Katie, um, she is also a biromantic ace. Um, she doesn't post about it a lot. If that's, if you're like looking for like people who are aggressively ace. No, it's any kind. Any, it's all, it's all good. <laughs> aggressively ace. Because if you, if you're looking for aggressively ace, I'm pretty much, I'm pretty much it. <laughs> Definitely um, follow Quinn. Um, Nini over at Crack Spines, they're really great um, and really wonderful to talk to. Oh, um, yeah. Eloise, that Eloise reads mm-hmm. is great. Um, Anna Sweets and uh, Stories is also really awesome. Mm-hmm. And if you follow her blog or her page, you also get to see all the cute uh, baked goods she makes. Yes, oh gosh, I yes. love her baked goods. Um, and you can pretend that you're good at, at, at that. I'm, <laughs> I'm I, good at I, eating I them. Not. That part, okay? <laughs> Real good at eating them. <laughs> I have the world's tiniest kitchen, so I never want to bake. Ugh, that sucks. It's the worst, but um, those are a few. Like we, I would say I, um, I don't know a lot of ace people on Bookstagram. I'm sure there are more. Yeah. Um, I just they come to me because I yell about it a mm-hmm. lot. That's true. <laughs> um, and it's one of those things where I find that people on the ace arrow spectrum are either super loud, proud, whatever, or they're they're just kind of there yeah and I think that's in part because of a lot of stigma and aphobia and a lot of basically a lot of knowledge misknowledge about what asexuality and aromanticism is Mm -hmm. which is also I think why I'm so loud about it is because if you know if they don't follow me if if they you know they may not ever be exposed to somebody Mm -hmm. That they know of. And it's like, well, I'm sure there are ace people in your life. You just don't know. You mm-hmm. just don't know. Like, I, I can tell you I'm way more loud and proud ace on Bookstagram than I was on my personal until about this year. Oh, yeah. Same with just same. I'm very gay on Bookstagram. So anyone who finds my Bookstagram from high school, I'm like, oh, hello. Shocker here. Well, and then I, you know, this year I just was like, fuck it. Like, if I am only loud and proud to this area mm-hmm. of the world, then like, 
what is that saying to people who know me in real life? So now I just yell about it everywhere. And then if people want to unfollow me, they can go fly a kite. Yeah. I mean, I've learned so much more about the asexual community following you and Anna's sweets and stories by looking at your, both of your stories and like reading that than I ever did Mm -hmm. in my own research into all of these, like, you know, back when I was trying to figure my own self out and I'm researching communities. So I am grateful to learn that much. And I think anyone, whether they are questioning if they're in the ACE spectrum or not, can learn so much more about the community. And that's only going to help, like, dismantle those stereotypes and help people understand. Well, yeah. And, the, and, and one thing I always try and say is that there's no universal ACE experience. Yes. Like, it, like it, I try and reinforce that it is a spectrum. Like, like for example, Angela Chen is a sex positive or um, a sex favorable mm-hmm. ACE. So despite the fact that we both identify as biromantic ace, we're on opposite kind of experiences of, the of spectrum, that. Yeah. yeah, which is but important. But that doesn't make, uh, it doesn't make invalidate either of our experiences. Mm-hmm. It's just, we experience it differently. Yeah. yeah. And that's why looking for different, rep- even just how I identify as queer is different than how someone else in my life identifies as queer. And I think that's what makes it so important to follow people who have different experiences because then I learn about your experience but I know that's not the universal ace experience so then I follow someone else and I learn about theirs but I know that's not the universal lesbian experience so it only helps you it only I think it only helps grow people's empathy to other communities if they learn exactly and I mean that's what what reading Mm -hmm. is for it's to learn about other people and grow empathy. Like people, like it's proven readers are more empathetic and it's like, I mean, we're seeing this happen, not so much in the queer community, but with diverse books to grammars, like Karen is following all white ladies reading book of the month. Sol- yeah, so of course, Karen is not going to engage in anti-racism work because no one she follows does because they all, they all subscribe to her same viewpoint. And it's like, okay, yeah. no, I, I follow people like, you know, the reading chemist and people mm-hmm. who make me, I mean, we have to get uncomfortable to understand and learning. Right. right. And I've said this before, how boring, and I've heard Allison say it on the Stacks podcast, but how boring is life if you only read about people who look and act like you, like I I read to learn about different people in different communities and different life experiences. I don't need to read a book that is only about my, like like someone exactly like me. I already know what my life is like. You know, I want to read about various other people's lives and experiences too. Right. Right. Okay. So we talked with Megan about diversity in the publishing company, but what about in the library, Quinn? How can we help our libraries thrive and have more diverse book selections? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will say this. A majority of selectors I know, I select teen um, books, fiction, nonfiction, graphic novel, and adult graphic novel, and also manga for both. Mm. Um, I know with my selection policy, like my own personal, like I prioritize diverse narratives first. Like I, you know, 
each so there's there's a long complicated relationship between libraries and diversity here's the thing libraries aren't diverse um it is a it is a profession dominated by white women like i'm very pro women that's partially why i'm a librarian i am i feel more comfortable in a woman dominated area um but we the librarianship as a whole has created hurdles for people of color and people from diverse backgrounds to be included so like for example i have a master's degree and in most professional library jobs a master's degree is required well i can tell you i learned far more on my internship than i did for putting myself thousands of dollars in student loan debt for my master's degree (laughs) so it's like there's that hurdle then there's also the hurdle of we have boomers who are admins who are like, this is the way it's always been. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're comfortable with the status quo. And because of that, they don't also address their inherent learned biases, which is such an important part of working with the public. Like no, this, the, the thought that libraries are neutral is a fucking yeah. libraries can we can be beacons of the community and do our best to be neutral but there is absolutely no possible way libraries can be neutral yeah i feel like reading is political whatever you're gonna read like oh god not according to karen Karen. (laughs) okay karen maybe needs to take a seat for this one bless her well no she's she's not gonna take a seat she's gonna delete her (laughs) and then she's gonna be mad and sad and then she's gonna come and then she's gonna come back and say my black friend oh, i feel oh. unsafe don't even get concerned on that <laughs> no that's a whole different okay <laughs> so i think ways in which um i know it depends on the library like for me diversity is important not only because i think we need to see other viewpoints for sure but also because like i work in a my majority latinx community Mm -hmm. i'm not latinx and i want my kids they're not my kids i hate kids but (laughs) teens i love teens 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 don't want me to talk to them i don't want to talk to them i'm there if they need me or chill but i want them pardon me to be able to see positive stories about people who look and experience life like they do without you know because they're inundated with you know how many i mean there have been threats of ice raids so many times in my community there have been all sorts of different things with illegal immigration and it's just like i want them to see that people can despite what the news says people can live and thrive who look and who have experienced life the way they have um but there are some people i'm gonna call her family um who have been working here for 30 years love james patterson yeah and are like this is what literature is and it's like no it's fucking not i don't have people fly fly into the library to check out charles goddamn dickens (laughs) (laughs) no someone tried to have that argument with me in library school in an adult fiction class and they were like well romance just there are some genres and some authors that just don't compare and it's like okay yeah they don't compare because people want to actually fucking read them Mm -hmm. Um, but okay it makes me laugh because i worked at a library for one year 
like right out of college, just at like the desk. And the amount of people that would check out Amish romance. Oh my God. Amish romance has a big fan. And I was like, and I still laugh about that. And so you talking about that, I'm like, nope, but they going they gonna find Wanda Bruce at her. <laughs> they gonna find oh, her. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think that's like every small town ever, because like my last job was in a rural library and they love Amish. Yes. Christians. It's because they're repressed that is Christians. Weird. <laughs> I'm sorry. And you know what? I don't oh, wanna like girl. Oh, yuck someone's yum, but I've I Amish that's a, a genre there. I'm telling it's you. It's a genre. It's it's all it's all old women. <laughs> all old women. Uh, but we still have like devotees at my library. And I, you know, I live in a suburb or I work in a suburban library. But I think ways in which patrons can help diversify the library is make public or make purchasing suggestions. Mm-hmm. So a lot of libraries, and I, and I wouldn't say mine, but a lot of libraries are um, limited by their collection development policy. So we have a, like, so there's a policy for what you can and can't buy. Mm, Got you. A lot of, a lot of times this means this has to have at least one starred review from a trade publication. This needs to have X amount of reviews total from these trade publications and things like that. Well, do you know what gets, what gets reviewed by trade publications? White people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. And you know, and you know who's reviewing white people. Right. And it's and and I did I did post a whole story rant about this, um, but they're not going to get diverse reviewers because they pay so mm-hmm. little that it's like, well, usually white people will supplement, but it's like you have to pay for what you are being asked. That's true. And it's, it's, that's a whole different rant for a different day. But there are lots of great books that fall through the cracks because the publisher doesn't have the support to send all these books out. Or it's an indie author who, you know, is fantastic, but they're not getting published by mainstream publishing because maybe, you know, they're doing something different. They're, they, what they're trying to do isn't deemed marketable. So most libraries have it in their collection development policy that you, you know, patrons can make suggestions and we have to take those into account. And, and to put it mildly, patron suggestions have a lot of, okay. yeah. um, because you are, and I speak, and I want to preface this, I speak on behalf of a public mm-hmm. library. This could be different for academic um school especially school is a little more right, right, right. by um you know age appropriateness and bullshit like <laughs> right. that no no offense got you but they hold a lot of weight because these are people whose taxes fund the yeah, library so those do, I mean, this is different for every library. And of course, you know, if you're in a highly conservative area, this can be difficult because, I mean, there have been lots of situations where queer books get banned in conservative. Well, I shouldn't say get banned, are um, challenged. And so sometimes admin um, falls in line with the political leanings of that area. 
And I'm not saying this is universal throughout all the public libraries in um, the United States, which again, I can only speak for them and some in Canada. But those suggestions have a lot of weight. And also, I do want to speak to POC people out there who are interested in librarianship. Please, 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 please join the profession. I know it's not, it doesn't look fun. Well, I shouldn't say that. I know it, 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 there are a lot more hurdles that people of color invariably deal with when trying to join the library science mm-hmm. community. There are, but there are also opportunities where you are needed. Yeah. Like, particularly, I know there's a lot of um, tribal libraries that need mm-hmm. help. I know, um, I, I mean, this sounds selfish, but I, I want, I want young people to see themselves in the library. I don't, and I'm a white lady. They see me. And and there's opportunities like spectrum scholarships and diversity initiatives. Please take advantage of those. We need more people of different backgrounds and experiences to form this profession, or it's going to be the same out of date. It's going to be the same out of date. This is the way things have always been done. Innovation is going to be stamped out and we don't need that. Um, yep. I mean, libraries and diversity is a big issue. Yeah, clearly. I, I had no idea. Person. Yeah. Most, most people don't until they join. We're join the community Man, yeah we're gonna have to do like a, a follow-up episode to fully like delve into our library diversity issue I mean it's it's a big issue and then you also there also is an issue of gender mm-hmm. so you'll see that a lot of administration positions are filled by men even though the profession is 80% women oh yeah Ooh, I don't like that so like For example, Carla Hayden, who is the current Librarian of Congress, is the first woman to be the Librarian of Congress. What? It took over 200 years. And she's one of the few professional librarians. Everyone else was just like a professor or a historian. And it's like, this is bullshit. And obviously the first person of color. Yeah, that is a problem. But I think you touched on, again, I think this this episode has touched on the incredible importance of mm-hmm. representation in yes. our different communities, in our libraries. So please come back and help us learn more about the library. Because I had no idea. Oh, I could go, I could go on we, for a while. But I will, I will say this. If you're looking to be in the library world if you're wanting to ask questions if you especially if you're a person from a marginalized community please reach out yes i'm a i'm a hype woman to the extreme and i yes have gotten where i've gotten because 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 i try to make connections with people and if there's anything that I can do to help, whether it's answer questions about what it's mm-hmm. like to be a librarian, or if it's like, you know, if we're friends and you need a recommendation letter, I, I'm willing to do whatever because 
I come from an obvious place of privilege and I want to use that privilege responsibly. Um, well, I love that. And I'm so glad that we had you on here, Quinn, and you've been able to just educate us on so many issues, um, that we didn't even know that we needed educating on, especially in the library. Like I had no idea. I think that's amazing. And I think we do need, more representation in the library systems. Um, But thank you so much for joining us on this episode. You can find us at the books to gaze on Insta and Quinn, can you remind our listeners of where they can find you on social media? Oh, sure. I can. So um, you may have known me as QS reads or Q's reads, however you interpret it. Um, But you can find me at the romantic ace on Instagram. I have a, WordPress blog where I make book lists mostly, um, which will be the same theoretically if I could get the URL. Oh yeah, <laughs> if you can. I mean, send us whatever it is now because I can put your um, your blog in our link tree so people. Yes, can that'd be amazing. Click on it. Um, and then you can find me on Twitter at the late. It's at the Ace Librarian. I mostly just scream about <laughs> books and yell about things happening in publishing because publishing okay goes. so follow you there so people can learn more about what's happening <laughs> i think that oh book twitter let me tell you if you're looking for a place of drama book twitter is it. yeah no i i have a book twitter just to, to just follow the drama i don't tweet well and it's it's a lot a lot of great discussions happen on book twitter so i would recommend it because it's also a great way to connect with authors mm-hmm. and people in the publishing industry. Yeah, I agree. But that being said, it's also a it can be. <laughs> it really can be. But thank you again so much, Quinn. And remember to rate and review our podcast so more people can hear our episodes, especially this one where we learned so much about the A spectrum. And we are so grateful to have had Quinn here to help educate us all. And you're welcome back anytime so we can continue this conversation. I would be more than happy. Book club. I love book club, book discussions. Right. Just whenever y'all are. Yes. Okay, guys. You're coming back. Don't forget, tune in next week for our book review on the House in the Cerulean Sea. Cheers, queers. Cheers, queers.